So we are uh, in this, uh, the second message of this series called The Spirit of Elijah. And I'm going to be in 1 Kings chapter 16, 17 if you want to be turning there. 1 Kings chapter 16 and 17. <clears throat> and um, so the idea behind this is, if you were here last week, in the end of the book of Malachi, the last few phrases of the Old Testament... God says this, but I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord, the great and, or great and dreadful day of the Lord. And then when you flip over to the book of Luke, it talks about that John the Baptist is the one who came in the spirit of Elijah before the coming of Jesus, before his birth. But when you put those two together, Malachi was not just saying that the spirit of Elijah would come before Jesus came the first time, but he would also come before Jesus came the second time. And I believe that I'm not trying to predict dates and all that stuff. I'm not that foolish because no, Jesus said, I don't know the time. So I, if he don't know, I don't know the time. But I do believe that we are moving into a season. We have been moving into a season where we potentially are very, very close to the second coming of Jesus. And so in this time, the spirit of Elijah is here. Amen. The spirit of Elijah is already here. Now, it may not rest on one person like it did John the Baptist, but it's resting on the church. It's coming on the church, the body of Christ. And so just looking at what the spirit of Elijah means, what, what does that mean to us? Last week, we talked about fathers and sons. And this week, we're going to talk about ravens and widows. <laughs> you know, I hope that makes sense in a minute. Okay, so let's begin reading in uh, 1 Kings chapter 16, uh, verse 29. It says, Ahab, son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 22 years. But Ahab, the son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. Now, man, wouldn't that be a terrible testimony? Someone said, now, he's a bad guy. Not only was he a bad guy, he was worse than anybody who had ever lived before him. <laughs> so that's Ahab. And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel the daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians, and he began to bow down and worship to Baal. First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole, and he did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. And let's go down to chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, but there was no rain, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. 
So he went to Seraphath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what is left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Amen. So here's the big idea. The spirit of Elijah prays and provides. The spirit of Elijah prays and provides. So we begin this with Ahab marrying Jezebel, who was a Sidonian. And she, not only was he evil in his, everything he had done, now he marries her and he brings in Baal worship. And Baal worship then, because she's a Baal worshiper, he begins, says he builds a temple to Baal. So Baal was this God of fertility, which led to a lot of sexual perversion. And so the worship of Baal included a lot of sexual perversion. And man, aren't we in a time now when the whole thing of gender, sex is being perverted in every way? Imagine, I mean, things that when 20 years ago I couldn't even imagine. And so we're living in this time when this spirit of Baal is also on the earth trying to pervert Every good thing that God has created. And so we see Baal doing that. Not only was he the Baal of fertility in that way, but they considered him to be the one who brought the rain because it was the rain who brought the crops. You know, this is a desert area here, so they needed rain. And so they thought he was the one who, when they would worship Baal, would bring the rain, who would bring the crops, that would bring prosperity. And so also, Baal was this God of prosperity. And so I just want you to think with me just for a moment, how much of our culture now worships sex and money? How much of our culture is centered around the perversion of God's gift of sex and also the perversion of prosperity and money and greed and power? And so the enemy wants us to focus on those things. And so what, what was happening here was these people were being led to worship a God who they thought would be the one who would take care of them. But it was a lie. And so many times there are, there are forces in our culture that want us to bow down to pressure, bow down to forces that we think are, is the answer to taking care of us and providing for us. And so we end up having people follow political candidates because they think they're the ones who are going to prosper me or they or they're, uh, follow some other kind of teaching because that's what's going to take care of me. But I think it's interesting that we read, after all this, it says, Now Elijah. Now Elijah. And in the midst of that, God brings Elijah on the scene. And he says, No, we're not going to put up with this. 
We're not, we're not going to bow to this. We're, we're going to stand against it. And Elijah was proclaiming, and I think it's interesting because we know that he ends up saying here that there's not going to be rain or dew for a long time, and I'm the one by the name of God who will decide when it's going to happen. And what he was saying is, the person that you think, this false God that you think is the one who brings rain and dew, cannot bring rain and dew. <laughs> the one you think is going to take care of you, he's never been the one taking care of you. The one who you are depending on, who you are compromising to in order for you to have your crops grow and for you to have children and all those things, that's all been a lie. Because I'm, by the God of Israel, all this is going to stop, and you can pray to Baal all you want to, and you can worship Baal all you want to, but there's not going to be any rain. And so the one you think is going to bring the rain, who's been bringing the rain, can't do it. Not going to do it. And so Elijah was so sure of who his God was that he was able to stand and say, this is not going to happen. And so the thing that I love about Elijah, and we see this same spirit on John the Baptist, was he was not intimidated. He did not operate in fear. Because here's the thing. When Elijah says there's not going to be rain for a while, he wasn't going to get any rain either. And he knew that. But he's trusted his God to take care of him. And he was able to stand up against evil. And when we see John the Baptist, you know the story in the New Testament when he stands up against Herod and Herodias and he says, listen, you're doing wrong. This, this is evil. He knew that it would cost him, but he still did it because he knew that evil was evil. And so here's the thing, guys. What if we could get to the place? What if we could really get to the place where evil grieved us like it grieved Elijah, like it grieved John the Baptist? Because I think, I think sometimes that there is so much evil We've been desensitized to so much of it that sometimes we get a hint of how it, it grieves the heart of God. And then other times, you know, we may even get angry. We may get frustrated. And then other times we're able to walk right by it and just dismiss it. And I believe God wants us in the church today to have the spirit of Elijah on us to where we recognize evil for evil and we call evil evil. And we don't compromise what is evil. Amen? And, and so we're, we're going to talk about over this series how, how we do that. But listen, the same things that grieve God's heart in the Bible grieve God's heart today. And we need to be the church who says that is wrong. That is wrong. And we're, we're not going to put up with it, right? And so one of the things that we see that Elijah was, was a man of prayer. So he makes this declaration to Ahab, says there's not going to be rain for a few years. And I'm, not till I say there's going to be rain, there's not going to be rain. But here's what the book of James tells us. It says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So it doesn't really say this in 1 Kings, but before... Elijah says this to Ahab. He'd been praying. And this whole victory began in Elijah's prayer closet, as we call it, or his prayer tent or whatever he had. But he was praying. And so, listen, 
When, we, when things bother us, when we sense that grieving of the Holy Spirit, man, we need to pray. Yes. We need to go to prayer about it. And we begin to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah. Lord, what, what do you want me to do about it? Amen. And can I tell you that so many times, we, when something bothers us, and I'm guilty of this too, I'll talk to everybody in the world about it but God sometimes. I'll fuss, complain, I'll, I'll talk about this, talk about that. And sometimes we just need to close it and then go to the prayer closet and say, God, this is grieving my heart. I know it's grieving your heart, right? And, and I love how it says that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man produces great and wonderful results. And so, listen, guys, if there's something bothering you about what's going on in the world, pray about it. Doesn't do any good to gossip about it. Doesn't do any good to complain about it. But man, it does powerful things when we go to the Lord about it, right? And if there's something happening in your life that is not good, pray about it. And if there's something that's not right in your life, pray about it. And begin there. And then notice this. Then after he comes out of prayer, he's able to make this faith declaration. Ahab, it's not going to rain. But he was able to make a faith declaration because he'd been spending time with the Lord, hearing the voice of the Lord. And sometimes we get it wrong. Have you ever heard somebody make a declaration and it doesn't happen? Sometimes that's because, I'm not going to say in every case, but sometimes it's because we make a declaration before we spent the time with the Lord. And we begin to speak for him without, before we talk to him about it. And so we need to spend the time with the Lord. We need to pray to the Lord, spend our time in prayer. And then we need to come out of that prayer time speaking faith, yes. speaking faith. This is what the Lord says. This is the Lord's heart. This is what's going to happen. And so then when he had spent the time in prayer and made the declaration, those things led to great victory. Yes. Those things led to results. It stopped raining. Just as he said it was going to do. And so, listen guys, we've got to spend our time in prayer. We've got to be people of prayer. This world needs us to pray. Your family needs you to pray. This community needs you to pray. We need to be a praying people. And we need to spend time with the Lord. And then we come out of that prayer time making the declarations in faith, not pridefully, but just saying this is what God said. This is what he's going to do. Amen. And so Elijah was a man of prayer. Elijah also trusted in God's unconventional form of provision. I, I think this is so interesting because God says, okay, it's going to stop raining, Elijah. You're not going to have any rain either. And you're going to have to go walk through the same drought that everybody else walks through. But don't worry about it. The ravens are going to take care of you. Now, how many times has God ever told you that, don't worry about it, I'm going to have some birds come feed you. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about that electric bill. The ravens are going to take care of it. Don't worry about the groceries, ravens. But he trusted him. Yes. You know, the Bible says in Psalms chapter 37, day by day the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. And so the two things that we see in this story that God says, I'm going to have some ravens take care of you, and I'm going to have a widow take care of you. Now, what one, birds are not like the most dependable thing in the world. And I don't know that anybody has ever before or since lived off of birds feeding them. 
And then widows were typically people who sort of struggled themselves. And God's telling him, don't worry about this, Elijah. I've got you. And you know, sometimes God will provide in the most unconventional ways. And when we are in the will of God, when we're, and I'm not saying when we're perfect, but when we are trying to do our best to be in the will of God, sometimes he will lead us to do things that will seem like will bring even endangerment to us, but we can trust God to take care of us. And sometimes that comes in ways that we would never expect. I heard a story this week of uh, the other night I was talking to some folks and they were telling me a story of a young man who was working at a place and he became very grieved by some things going on there. And so he just, because the Lord just was grieving him. So he made the decision to quit working there. He said, I just can't, I can't be part of of this and, and even went through some persecution because his fellow co-workers were saying, man, you're crazy leaving this job. It's not that bad. It's, it's all fine. It's, not, it's no big deal. Just, he said, no, I believe the Lord has done, is calling me to leave this place. I, I don't feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. I, there's some things here that grieve my spirit. And so he quit and the same day got another job. Same day, someone, he just got a, was blessed. And can I tell you that through the years, so many times, that in mine and Bobby's life, God will sort of ask us to do something and it looks like, okay, well, that's going to be a loss. <laughs> we're going to go backwards there. But God, if you say that's what we're going to do, we'll do that. And then he comes along and it's a plus. <laughs> we, you know, it just, it doesn't make sense. It, it, it doesn't, on the front end, there's no way it makes Sometimes on the back end, you're going, how does, the, how does two minus one equal five? I don't get that. But, it, but in God's math, it works, right? And, and so here, here's what I just want to encourage you with today. Maybe God's asking you to make a stand. Maybe God's asking you to make a change in your life or make a stand in your life. And the enemy's telling you, if you do that, it's going to harm you. If you do that, it's going to cost you. If you stand up against Ahab, if you cause it to not rain, you're going to starve to death, Elijah. If you're the one who says there's no rain, you're the one who's going to end up dying just like everybody else. So why would you do that? If you stand up against injustice, maybe you will be shunned. If you stand up against something that's wrong, maybe you'll lose your job. Maybe whatever it may be. But I can tell you, if you're in the Lord's will today, he'll provide for you. He'll provide for you. And we can trust him. Just like Cindy's word, he's a limitless God. And if he wants to do it through ravens, he'll do it through ravens. If he wants to do it through a widow, he'll do it through a widow. If he wants to do it through something you don't even know about yet, or he'll do it some way that just seems impossible, God can do it because there are no limits on him. There, there, are, there are no, he's not in a box. And sometimes we want to look and say, well, I don't know how he could ever do that. What? I'll do it through a raven. I'll do it through a poor widow. I'll, I'll do it through any means that I want to because I'm the Lord, but I'm going to take care of you. Amen? And so Elijah chose to be driven by faith and not by fear. And so when the Lord said in his prayer closet, I want you to stand up to Ahab, in faith he stood up to him. Instead of being fearful of what might happen. And I believe God's calling us to be a people of faith today. 
that says, you know, God, I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. And man, I know, I know, and I know that you know. Sometimes when God asks us to do things, it's scary. Sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes he tells us stuff and we're going, yes. And sometimes he tells us to do stuff and we're going, really? <laughs> right? Come on. But when we choose to operate in faith, God shows up. God will show up. Amen. And so the other thing is, Elijah's faith inspired the faith of others, and he cared for others. So when he sees this widow, it's interesting because he says, would you get me a cup of water? And she says, yeah. And then he says, get me something to eat. And she goes to this thing, look, I don't have anything to give you. As a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to fix my, me and my son our last meal, and then that's it, it, that's it for we're going to die. And it almost seems selfish when Elijah says, but fix me something first. To, to the natural, that would seem selfish, but it was anything but selfish. Because we know the rest of the story then that when she blesses him and she gives him of what she has, God blesses that. And then not only is Elijah fed throughout the rest of the famine, so is this widow and her whole family. And so really what he was saying is, listen, if you'll, just obey, if you'll obey the Lord in this little thing, we're all going to be blessed in this. And so we see the heart of Elijah was not selfishness here, but he was caring for her. He was caring for her, and he was taking care of her, and God provided. And so in the midst of these things, the spirit of Elijah not wants us to never, ever put our eyes only on ourselves. The spirit of Elijah in the midst of whatever may be coming, to keep our eyes on each other and to take care of each other. I think it's interesting in Luke chapter 3 when John the Baptist was preaching, he said this, in verse 11, if you have two shirts, give one of the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. And so while John the Baptist was preaching about repent, 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 the Spirit of the Lord's coming, the day of the Lord's coming, he's also saying, don't forget to take care of each other. Don't forget to love each other. And so although Elijah was grieved by the sin of Ahab, and that's part of what was going on here, at the same time, Elijah was loving the people and loving God. He was loving God, loving people. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> loving God, loving people. Because I think the reason it grieved him so much is because he loved God so much. And he knew the heart of God. And also the reason that the sin of Ahab grieved him so much is because he loved the people so much. Because he knew that the sin was hurting the people. And I believe that most, not all of because God is holy and righteous and sin just opposes that. And God hates sin. But one of the reasons that God hates sin is because he knows the effect it has on us. He knows that when we enter into sin, it harms us. And he loves us so much that he doesn't want us to suffer. That's why he hates sin. He knows that every time I sin, it hurts me. It hurts the people around me. And it grieves him too because he's holy and righteous. But, and so I think Elijah was looking at the sin of Ahab saying, man, you're killing the people of Israel. You're killing my people. You're leading them astray. You're leading them to hell. You're, you're leading them into destruction. And I love them. And so the spirit of Elijah at the same time was standing up against evil. Was saying, I'm going to take care of the people that God brings me to. And so the spirit of Elijah is a generous spirit. Is, is one who loves people. 
And, and so Elijah's conflict with Ahab and Jezebel was not just driven by disdain for their sin, but also by his love for God and for people. And so we need to stand up against evil for those who can't. Elijah was standing against Ahab for people who couldn't stand against him. And so we need to be the people who stand up against things like abortion because those babies can't do it for themselves. We need to be standing up against things like changing the genders of eight-year-olds because those eight-year-olds can't stand up for themselves. And when we see people who cannot stand for themselves and we see people who are not strong enough to be able to defend themselves, God's calling us by the spirit of Elijah to stand for them. That's who God's calling us to be. And it needs to begin with prayer. It needs to begin with prayer. And then we need to hear what God says. And we need to, by faith, declare it. And then by faith, we need to obey it. And then by faith, trust God that if we do what he asks us to do, he's going to provide for us. I, I've seen companies, I've seen individuals fold to sin because they're afraid of what it would do to them economically if they don't. And God's saying, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. If you have to take a stand, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. So listen, guys, is there something bothering you? Something in your, that's been grieving you? Pray about it. Pray about it. Take it to the Lord. And then just obey what he says to do. God's wanting to change things. I, I believe that we're on, on this, this thing where the Spirit of Elijah is coming across our, our globe to change things. It's, it's called revival. It's called revival. When, when the Spirit of God is revived and, and the righteousness is, is revived and, and we stand against evil. And listen, and I'm, listen I know, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. We do not war against flesh and blood, but against power and principalities, spirits and rulers in the high places, right? So we're not attacking people. We're not attacking people. But we're standing against ideologies and worldviews and deceptions of the devil that are trying to destroy our people because we need to be like Elijah and love our people and love God enough that we don't want that to stand. Amen? <clears throat> and so we, if something's bothering you, pray about it. If you're worried about something today, if you're worried about something, trust God to take care of you. Just trust God. If he wants to send a raven to feed you, he'll send a raven to feed you. If he wants to hook you up with a widow who's on her last piece of bread, and that's the way he wants to provide for you, or someone who doesn't seem like they could even take care of themselves, God can provide for you. God will meet your needs, right? We can trust God to do that. Would you stand with me this morning?